0: Adley Rutschman demolished his second career big league home run. The Orioles' outfield defense was sensational. And the O's beat the White Sox in Chicago on Thursday night. We'll get to that. Plus, some Orioles minor leaguers are back on the field and making some noise. We'll tell you which ones to look out for. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are locked on Orioles your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, June 24th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up, On today's episode, we'll first recap an Orioles win over the Chicago White Sox, taking game one of four on the south side on Thursday night. Talk about Adley's big night offensively, Austin Hayes and the rest of the outfield having a great night defensively, and just how the O's really cruised to this victory. Then we'll take you down on the farm for a Farm Friday segment, picking out a pitcher and a hitter at each of the Orioles' four full-season levels, who have impressed over the last week or so. And we'll actually talk about a lot of guys who are back from injury and uh, should be making a big splash pretty soon. Then finally, we'll take you through what the rest of the weekend looks like between the Orioles and the White Sox. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by BlueNile.com. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And remember, Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more using code LOCKEDON. So before we get to it, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day, whether it's on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, whether it's right here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel, and you're watching my face as well, we thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and a review wherever you watch, wherever you listen. It really, really helps out the pod. And on today's pod, let's start with an Orioles win, as the O's take it 4-0 over the Chicago White Sox on Thursday night in Game 1 of a four-game series. Pretty dominant win for the Orioles, if I do say so myself, as they get to 32-39 and 39 with the victory. You want to hear something kind of wild? After the Thursday night victory, the Orioles are just one behind the White Sox in the win column. O's now 32-39. and 39. The White Sox, who won the AL Central last year, are now 33-35 with the loss. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 4-0 win over the White Sox. And the first thing you need to know is that Adley Rutschman hit home run number two. And this one was a blast on Thursday night. It got the Orioles on the board in this one. A two-run shot in the fourth inning off of White Sox starter Johnny Cueto. That gave the O's the 2-0 lead. It was hit 107 miles per hour off the bat. Traveled 402 feet to right center field for Adley as he hit it from the left side against the right Equato. And obviously, you know, he hit a home run in Toronto last week. And he's been hitting heating up. You know, he's hitting over 330 over his last 10 games. Adley's been fantastic over the last few weeks. But that was it felt like the best ball he's hit all season. Not the hardest hit ball. He's had a couple, you know, closer to 110 miles an hour. Again, this was 107. But with the launch angle, with the home run, with it going over 400 feet, that was just the cleanest, best-looking batted ball from Adley Rutschman so far in the big leagues. It was gone off the bat. The second you knew it was going to be a two-run homer, it was just awesome to see Adley do that. And that wasn't his only hit of the night. He also had an RBI double In the sixth inning, to make it a 3-0 game, Adley drove in three of the four Orioles runs on the night with a two-for-four day, a homer, a double, three RBIs, and a run scored. Had three hard-hit balls on the day as well. Just a really good night at the plate for Adley Rutschman. Second thing you need to know from this one, switching to the defensive side, that may have been, I mean, it was most certainly the best defensive night for the Orioles' outfield this season. Probably the best defensive night for the Orioles outfield since the rebuild started. Really since they had, you know, Rymold, Jones, and Marcakis out there. I mean, you can see, you know, over my shoulder here, I've got two out of those three bobbleheads, the the Jones and the Marcakis. Wow. I mean, Cedric Mullins, multiple great running catches in the gap. Now, Anthony Santander misplayed a ball diving and, and missed it in the game, but also made a really nice running catch on the track. And then Austin Hayes, I mean, get this guy to the All-Star game, makes a bullet throw home in the fourth inning to pick up his sixth outfield assist, gunning down Gavin Sheets at the plate on a single uh, to end the fourth inning. And then in the eighth inning, you know, with a runner on base, Chicago trying to make a comeback, Hayes just makes a ridiculous diving catch down the line in right field for the second out of the inning. He's just been so good. Wherever he's played, he's played left, right, and center this year. He's made great plays at every position. Man, he is so fun to watch. And Mullins and Santander helped him out. It's great to have two center fielders out there and Mullins and Hayes pretty much at all times. That was a fun defensive display. I mean, Herb Lawrence, the former host of Locked on White Sox, who's been on this pod multiple times, just tweeted to me during that game and just said, Connor, why didn't you tell us about this outfield defense? Well, it's been good. It hasn't been this great all season. But man, that was fun. Third thing you need to know is that let's turn to the pitching side for the Orioles. Dean Kramer, really, really good again for the Orioles. And not perfect, not flawless, not dominant. But he did what he needed to do. Five and two-thirds scoreless innings from Dean Kramer. And I will say, you know, he gave up seven hits in five and two-thirds. He did strike out four and walk only one, which was the key. That one walk was really the key in this game. 93 pitches, and he lowers his ERA to 1.71 On the season for Kramer. And again, seven hits in five and two thirds. You know, he did allow nine hard hit balls on the day. There were basically always runners on base against Kramer. You know, I don't think he had a a one, two, three inning in the game. So, you know, there was always traffic, but he always got out of the traffic. And the stuff just continues to look better and better for Dean Kramer. How about 14 whiffs for Kramer in his 93 pitches, 14 whiffs on 46 swings on the night? How about the Dean Kramer cutter? And this has been really interesting because, you know, Kramer was in love with that cutter in 2020. It kind of failed him last year when he was so bad. Now he's, you know, earlier this year was going away from it, throwing more four seamers, throwing more change-ups, actually going away from the curveball a little bit as well. We saw the change-up be his good pitch in his last scoreless start. But the cutter was just all day for Dean Kramer. Of his 93 pitches, 39 of them were cutters on Thursday night. That was his most used pitch of the night. It was 39 cutters, just 28 four-seamers, 15 change-ups, and 11 curveballs for Kramer. And of his 14 whiffs, 10 of them came on the cutter. That thing looked really good. Velo was up. It averaged 88. He topped out at 90 miles an hour with one of those cutters. His four-seamer velo was up. He was at 94, 95. 96.7 miles per hour was his hardest pitch. That was the hardest pitch of the season for Dean Kramer. All the stuff looked crisp, looked better than it has all year. And that cutter, man, I mean, it was a cutter because that's what he throws, but it really played like a hard, tight slider, similar to the pitch that Tyler Wells throws. That's what it looked like from Kramer on Thursday night. That was really, really just so... Fascinating to watch from what he was last year to what he is now. And the O's need this so bad with Means injured, with Grayson Rodriguez injured, with D.L. Hall not ready yet, with Bruce Zimmerman sent down to Triple A, The Orioles need this so, so badly, and they are getting it from Dean Kramer in a huge way. Just another great start from the righty. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' 4 nothing win. Let's kick it back over to the Oriole offense because I talked about Adley Rutschman. Now, he wasn't the only guy, though, that got things done. To be fair, he did drive in three of the four runs. But some other Orioles had good days. Cedric Mullins, two for five with a couple of singles, including an RBI single in the top of the ninth that was a nice little insurance run. No strikeouts for Mullins. He had three hard-hit balls on the day. Trey Mancini had a double on the day. Austin Hayes, he had himself a double as well. You know, just a one for four with a double and a strikeout, but, you know, You give him a little slack after he hit for the cycle on Wednesday night. Of course, you had Adley with the two for four. Ryan Mountcastle with the only three-hit day. Ryan Mountcastle, three for four with two doubles, a run scored, and a strikeout with two hard-hit balls. He was mashing the ball. Jorge Mateo got a hit. That's big for him. He's really been struggling. And even Tyler Nevin, who did not have a hit in this game on an 0 for 2, drew two walks and scored one run, that run in the ninth inning that was insurance for the Orioles. Big day. Seven of the nine hitters get on base. Orioles get four runs on 10 hits. Offense only scored four, but looked good doing it and really did hit the ball hard in this game. And the top of the lineup especially was was really solid for Baltimore. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles 4-0 win over the White Sox is that Well, the bullpen just did what the bullpen has done all season for the O's. Three and a third scoreless from the Oriole bullpen. It started with Felix Bautista, who entered the game in place of Dean Kramer with runners on first and second and two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning. It was a 3 nothing game and comes in and gets a strikeout to end the jam. Then he gets through the seventh inning as well with two more strikeouts to end his day with three Ks. Dylan Tate comes in and Tate wasn't his best. He got hit a little hard. He got four outs, was not charged with a run, but did allow two hits and a walk. Got some help from the defense in the eighth inning. And then when the Orioles scored the one run in the top of the ninth, you know, went from a three-run game to a four-run game, no longer a save situation. Jorge Lopez sat down, and Dylan Tate stayed in the game. But then he allowed a leadoff single, and then after getting a flyout, ended up walking a batter. And all of a sudden, you had two on and one out. And Brandon Hyde just says, you know what? It's not a safe situation, but we're going to Jorge Lopez. And what did Lopez do? But throw seven pitches and get two strikeouts, two filthy strikeouts to end the game, to lower his ERA to 0.77 on the season. He's nasty. O's win, shut out the White Sox, and take game one of this four game series, which will be a tough one. This White Sox team fighting right now to try and stay in this AL Central race, and the O's get the first game of the really complete performance. But it's not just the major league Orioles that are playing well. Seeing a lot of action, a lot of good action at the minor league level for the Orioles. And we'll have our farm Friday segment coming up next, talking about who is shining at each of the four Orioles full season levels in the minor leagues. But first got to tell you about blue Nile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the style. Each ring is one of a kind. And if you have questions, you don't know what you're looking for, don't know what you should be looking for, just anything you need answered, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. And this podcast exclusive includes engagement rings. So use the code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also Brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the Stanley Cup Finals, Avalanche, and Lightning. Game 5 is tonight. The Avs, after kind of a controversial goal from Nassim Kadri in Game 4, take a 3-1 lead. Colorado could close it out tonight and win the cup. You've, of course, also got Major League Baseball and all your fighting news, all your fighting lines you need. UFC, MMA, boxing. How about golf? Not a fighting sport, but there's some fighting going on there between the two different golf leagues. You can find all the golf lines as well. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. At BetOnline, where the game starts. So the Orioles beat the White Sox 4-0 on Thursday night, taking the first game of four in Chicago. But there's also success happening at the minor league level for the Orioles as i wanted to get you a Farm Friday segment here on a Friday episode, highlighting one pitcher and one hitter from each of the Orioles' four full-season affiliates with just things they've been doing over the last week or so or just highlighting something that you need to know from down on the farm. So let's start with the AAA Norfolk Tides. And the pitcher I wanted to highlight is probably not the guy you're expecting me to say, but it is Bruce Zimmerman. And, you know, we've talked about it. Bruce was optioned to AAA after another rough start last Wednesday, and the O's gave him about a week off to refocus. And then he started once again on Wednesday night. Well, Technically, he didn't start. Spencer Watkins started through a scoreless inning and then was pulled because the O's want to keep Watkins ready in case they need him to start Saturday's game in Chicago. So they go to Bruce Zimmerman in the second inning, and it doesn't go well. He allows three straight doubles to open the inning, and in his first inning of work at AAA this year, he allows five runs on five hits with a walk and a strikeout. You're thinking, oh no, things are terrible. But the reason I wanted to shout out Bruce Zimmerman is for what he did after that. He comes back out there and immediately throws four scoreless innings after that terrible first inning. His final four innings, he allowed just two hits, again, no runs, six strikeouts, just two walks after that. So he's still working on this kind of new set position, a little bit of a tweak delivery. That first inning was terrible, but those final four innings, big positive step for Bruce Zimmerman. I don't think he's done by any means. We are going to see Bruce back in the big leagues with the Orioles at some point soon. I mean, at the latest, maybe right after the All-Star break. He's going to figure things out, I hope. This was, besides that first inning, a good first step. On the hitting side, there's two guys to pick from, really. I'm going to go with one of them. It's Jordan Westberg. Of course, Westberg and Henderson were each promoted together a couple weeks ago to AAA Norfolk. Jordan Westberg, I mean... It has just been ridiculous. Heading into play on Thursday, Westberg in 13 games with the Tides was hitting 365 with a 400 on base and a 769 OPS. And what did he do on Thursday night? Well, he just went two for three and hit another home run. A two run shot was his fifth already in 14 AAA games. Dude has been ridiculous. You know, we've talked about. You know, would Henderson or Westberg be called up first? Would they both come up and maybe be on the opening day roster next year? Henderson and Westberg are making serious cases to both be up in the big leagues before the end of 2022. That seemed like there's no way that would happen if you asked me that in spring training this year. That could happen. Gunnar Henderson's been ridiculous. Westberg's been almost as good. It's fun to watch those two in AAA. Hopefully we see him in the bigs this year. Let's move down to Double-A Bowie and start with a pitcher. It's a little bit of cheating because this guy actually got moved up to Norfolk, but I'll give you Chris Valamont. If you remember, about a month ago, the Orioles claimed Valamont off waivers from the Minnesota Twins. Now, he had never pitched above Double-A in the Twins system, but he was on the 40-man roster because the Twins put him there to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Then he had horrendous numbers at Double-A. Twins needed a 40-man roster spot, and they DFA'd Valamont, And the O's claimed him, and you thought... What are they giving a 40-man roster spot to a guy who's never pitched above double-A? Well, the Orioles put Falamont in double-A, and what does he do? In three starts, he allows just one run on five hits over 13 innings, striking out 18 batters and walking only four. This is a guy who had walked 23 guys to just 20 strikeouts in his time in double-A this year in Minnesota. 18 Ks to four walks in 13 innings. That's pretty good to me. And what did the O's do after his last start? Well, they moved him up to AAA Norfolk, because how can you not? He's already 25 years old, and in his last A start, five innings, no runs, two hits, 10 strikeouts, and one walk for Valamont. Yeah, that was enough A baseball. He will make his Norfolk Tides debut this weekend, getting the start. He's 25. He's on the 40, man. If you made me predict, I think Chris Valamont pitches in the big leagues with the Orioles at some point in the second half of the season. He's got some really wicked stuff. If he can throw strikes like he's been doing, he's nasty. The hitter in A Bowie, I've highlighted him before this year, but i got to highlight him again because he's kind of getting back on my radar, and that is Adam Hall, who has an 1141 OPS in his last seven games with the Bay Sox, and he's hitting a respectable 262 with a 364 on base this year. Now, there's still no power In Hall's bat, he's got two home runs, but that's okay. That's not the hitter that he profiles as. He's a speed guy, gap-to-gap, singles and doubles hitter. And he's been able to do that in Bowie this year. And props to him after a horrendous 2021, Adam Hall kind of back on track. Down to high A Aberdeen we go. By far the best team in the Orioles minor league system. Got a shout out to the Aberdeen Ironbirds who have already clinched a playoff spot. Earlier this week, they clinched the first half title in their high A league, so they will be going to the playoffs. They have been ridiculous so far this year, but I want to actually highlight two guys who haven't been with Aberdeen this year, two guys there on rehab because it's exciting that they're there on rehab. The pitcher is Matt Harvey who was pitching in extended spring training, then Major League Baseball handed him his 60-game suspension. Now, while he's still serving that suspension, he can pitch in the lower levels of the minors. He just can't go up to AAA until that suspension is up here in a couple weeks. Well, for Matt Harvey, he made his first full-season affiliate start of the year on Thursday night and dominated high-A hitters, like Matt Harvey in his mid-30s should do, but he did it anyway. Six scoreless innings, four hits, four Ks, and no walks. As soon as they can get him there, the Orioles will get him to AAA once his suspension expires by July, maybe August at the latest. We're going to see Matt Harvey back in an Orioles uniform because despite what guys like Dean Kramer are doing, they still need some starting pitching. And the hitter I got to highlight is Yuznial Diaz, who once again was on the injured list in AAA, but is now back on a rehab assignment. He is in Aberdeen, and in three games, he's three for eight with a double, a homer, and two RBIs, two walks, and one strikeout. Just mashed a two-run homer to dead center field in Wednesday night's game in Wilmington with the Ironbirds. Please stay healthy, use Neil Diaz. I just want to see the guy get to the majors at some point before the Orioles release him. Hopefully, getting back to AAA this time, he can stick and stay healthy and get to the bigs. Just stay healthy. And then to the Delmarva Shorebirds, who have certainly struggled with a very young team this year. But the pitcher I want to highlight... And the hitter I want to highlight, both top prospects coming off of injury. The pitcher is Carter Baumler, who the Orioles selected in the fifth round of the 2020 draft. A high school pitcher who ended up getting Tommy John, missing all of last year's minor league season. But he finally returned to full season ball a couple of weeks ago. And all he's done is dominate. At the low A level. In four starts so far at Delmarva for Baumler. In 11 and two-thirds innings, he's allowed just two runs on seven hits. Struck out 20 batters and walked just seven. It's a 1.54 ERA for Baumler and a 171 batting average against the righty. He's got good stuff. He's still super young, just 20 years old. This is a really exciting prospect that should be in Aberdeen before long and could get to double A by the end of this year if the O's want to push him a little bit. And then the hitter I got to highlight in Delmarva, of course, is Heston Kerstad, who finally, a couple weeks ago, got back on the field for the Orioles. After the O's took him in the first round, second overall in the 2020 draft, had myocarditis that he struggled with, couldn't get on the field. All of last year, missed the minor league season. Then has the hamstring injury in spring training this year, has to miss a couple more months. Finally back on the field in mid-June. He's too good for low a. He's going to be an Aberdeen Probably in the next week or two in nine games with the Shorebirds at Low A, thirteen for thirty-three. That's a three ninety-four average with three doubles and four walks in that time. And looks healthy and looks good defensively in the outfield as well. Heston Kurstad's gonna be in double A by the end of this year. He's healthy, he's good. That bat plays and he he's far too good for low A. He'll be moved up soon. But that's your Farm Friday segment just before we finish it off. Just wanted to let you know if you hadn't heard about a trade in the minor league system. Patrick Dorian, who was kind of the breakout star for the O's uh, in the minor leagues last year, went from kind of a no-name guy to dominating in Bowie and getting up to A Norfolk by the end of last year with really good numbers had really struggled this year at Norfolk and just didn't have a spot once Henderson and Westberg got called up because he's also an infielder. You know, you also have guys like Taryn Vavra in triple a Rylan Bannon for a while before he got promoted to the big leagues. And so the Orioles traded him as they sent Patrick Dorian to the Milwaukee Brewers receiving cash in return from Milwaukee in the trade. We wish Patrick Dorian all the best and hope he can get to the big leagues with the Brewers. But Back at that big league level, well, the Orioles still have three more games against the Chicago White Sox this weekend. And coming up in a second, I'll preview those final three games, let you know what you need to look out for with the O's on the south side. But first, as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster, did you know every week nearly forty million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash lockdown MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the O's took game one from the White Sox for nothing on Thursday night, but still three more games to go in this series Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and just wanted to preview the rest of this set before we let you go here on a Friday. Game 2 of the series tonight Friday night at 8:10 p.m. Eastern Time. Start Kyle Bradish takes the ball for the Orioles. He needs a start to help him turn things around. ERA up to 7.38 through 10 starts on the season. Been erratic with the command. Continues to get hit around. Six runs on 11 hits in four and a third against Tampa his last time out. He really needs a good start. And he'll go against Michael Kopek, who has been dominant for the White Sox this year. A 2 3 ERA in 57 innings. But Kopech got hit a little bit in his last start against Houston. Four runs on seven hits over five innings. Then we go to Saturday where the Orioles have yet to name a starter. I think it's going to be Spencer Watkins. He only pitched one inning Wednesday. He's on the 40-man roster. We'll probably see the return of Spencer Watkins for Saturday's game. He's going to go against the veteran Lance Lynn, the 35-year-old who just returned off the injured list for the White Sox to make his first two starts of the season. His first one, four and a third, three runs, ten hits against Detroit. His last one, five innings, three runs on four hits against Toronto. And then the series finale is on Sunday at 2.10 p.m. Eastern time start. That game on Saturday also at 2.10. But Sunday at 2.10, Jordan Lyles takes the hill for the Orioles. Finally started eating innings again in his last start. Lyles has a 4.92 ERA through 14 starts for the Orioles. Last time out against Washington this week, six and a third, two runs on five hits, four Ks, and three walks. And he'll go up against the always nasty Dylan Cease, the 26-year-old right-hander, Who's been awesome this year for the White Sox? Has a 2.68 ERA in 14 starts and cease his last time out. Wow. What he did to the Blue Jays was wow. Six innings, no runs, one hit, 11 Ks, and two walks for Dylan Cease. Orioles got to try and figure him out on Sunday. And then on Monday, I'll be back with you here on the pod recapping the weekend of Orioles baseball getting you my three big takeaways from the final three games of this four game set against the White Sox and then getting you ready for the O's to quickly hit the west coast when they'll go to Seattle to take on the Mariners for a three game series but that's all coming up when I return on the pod here on Monday but until then enjoy your weekend and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On podcast network your team yeah.